This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of Tofop is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. Tofop advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. That's awesome. Is it a gritty reboot? We've been talking about Batman like usual. <laughs> World was like. It's free, you know. I travelled through time. Totally. Totally. That's sex with Nights. Well, you want a lazy Susan? It's a Toe fact. fact. The father of the holy toast. Fire up the fucking flux capacitor. Let's get guns. Now, this is Toe winner now. Although, pretty much all these people we've mentioned have appeared in Batman films. Yeah. Russell Brand is about the only one who hasn't made it into a Batman film yet. There you go, Christopher Nolan. Wait, Russell Brand. In, Russell Brand actually, in the, he must be spewing because if he's a Batman fan. Because in the old days of Batman, previous to the Christopher Nolan era, a Russell Brand would be the guy everyone would be talking about as being some sort of Batman villain. villain yeah, you know how it's always yeah, it's always the kind of big cartoonish you know, person du jour. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he is that person at the moment. Yeah. You could see him being some well, someone, Batman villain. Someone talked about him being in a remake of Drop Dead Fred, and I don't know if that's actually a real project or if someone just hey and I thought ah, oh, yeah like that makes complete sense yeah. like if I was a studio I'd go yeah I mean I don't know how well the first Drop Dead Fred did but he seems to be the Rick Mail of yeah. 2011 I'm not sure there's a lot of Drop Dead uh, Fred fans waiting <laughs> I, I don't think people will be offended as offended DDFs by the uh, the remake because some people are very very offended by the remake of Arthur because yeah, I was just like it's a perfect movie why would you take one of the greatest comedians of all time and try to remake what he did yeah. a lot of people got pissed off when Steve Martin who's one of the most respected comedians of all time did the Pink yeah, Panther yeah, movies yeah. because they were just like why would you want to improve on something like that yeah. I think that he'd probably get away with Drop Dead Fred yeah. You know, yeah. I think there would be some backlash, but I think that people would be like, I don't yeah, think yeah. Drop, drop Dead Fred was big enough yeah. that people have this like sentimental attachment to yeah, the that's movie. Right. You, should drop be able to, Fred. you should be able to remake stuff if, if it, if it uh, you know, was only like half baked the first time. And they do that all the time. Like, uh, oh, I'm not going to think of a film now. But um, like, even with Dawn of the Dead, when they remade that, people said that's untouchable, you know. Yeah. And the original Dawn of the Dead is amazing, but it's old and clunky. And when you watch it, like, I mean, I've showed it to friends who laugh at it because it seems so lame and dumb. But then what Zack Snyder did with it was just soup it up and made it really exciting. And it's, I mean, it's nowhere, it doesn't have the same kind of like social commentary or anything like that. But I still reckon the remake of Dawn of the Dead is really good. It's better to remake a almost a bad movie or an iconic movie that was made badly yeah. than it is to remake, you know, something that was genuinely successful in its own right. Yeah. Like that's what I found with like, you know, for example, that, you know, how they made a remade Death at a Funeral. Yeah. With every black American actor. Yeah, yeah. They made the black death at and a Jack, funeral. And James Marsden. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, why would you remake Death at a Funeral? That yeah. movie was so perfectly made for what it was, mm. and it was the little movie that could. Yeah. You know, you were never going to make a better version of that movie. Yeah. That was a movie that was so good, it succeeded despite the fact that nobody knew who any of the people in it were. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knew like about the, the movie. Or yeah, totally. Kind of films. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're not the ones you remake. No. 
They've already, you know. But uh, is it though? But, but they remade it for like a black audience, presumably. Mm. Like that's what they did, wasn't it? Through Ice Cube's company or, or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't type. It was one of those. One of the, yeah. Yeah. But that, see, I don't mind that. Like that makes sense to me. It's like remaking The Grudge or The Ring or, or something like that. Like that to me. I'm not sure it is quite like that because they were in a different language. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do find it a bit weird that, like, we still live in a world where you're like, let's remake this for a black audience. Like, they're black Americans. Yeah. They weren't making it for people in, like, you know, Africa who didn't speak English. I suppose. Like, they were making it for, you know, Americans. Yeah, I guess. But uh, Death at a Funeral was Like, you wouldn't remake but the colour purple for white people. Death at a Funeral was English, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, but that makes sense. Like, they remake Aussie TV shows. They did the remake of Captain Kim, remake of The Office, remake... I understand that. I think culturally, it's a shorthand. I mean, I don't... people Because I think... I mean, we have talked about this before. <laughs> it's a catchphrase. But um, I don't have a huge problem. Like, everyone's like, oh, more sequels, more prequels, get an original idea. But the fact is, like, we retell the same stories again and again and again. Like, even Star Wars is a remake of an old Asia, uh, Asian film, um, The Hidden Fortress, you know? And they're before... Even when the cinema started, they made, like, 12 Sherlock Holmes films. Like, it's... It's not like a recent thing that we're making prequels and sequels. Like, that's what we've been doing for generations. The same stories have been told again and again and again. Like we, yeah, although I think there's a difference between um, uh, making a sequel to something, mm. which is rehashing the same idea as you saw in the last film, uh, and retelling, you know... I mean, what, yeah, they, what do they say? There's six, you know, there's six stories, stories or yeah. whatever there is in the world, and, and everything is a version of those six stories. Yeah. So I get that. But at least, you know, give people different names. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, we'll call this one uh, yeah. Jomeo and Juliet. Yeah. Uh, it's about sacros lovers. Well, I think you'll find there was Nomeo and Juliet that came out. Remember oh, the really? gnomes? Did you not see this? It's an anim- uh, yeah, it was yeah, a- it was the English one. Yeah, yeah, yeah an yeah. animated film. And it was uh, created by Elton John's husband. Who's that? Oh, whatever his name. Well, I don't know why I whispered in case. Yeah. <laughs> Who is he? Him. Is he here? Who's that? Is he, is he listening? Yeah. yeah I, I'm going to say his name's like David Furness or something like that, but I'm not even sure if that's true. Deborah Lee Furness. Deborah Lee Furness. Uh, yeah, Elton John's... Oh, yeah, Deborah, the guy yeah. to the gay guy. Yeah, Deborah Lee Furness. No, I... Um, uh, yeah, so they made Nomeo and Julia, and that was his idea. But um, And I'm pretty sure that idea was this. Nomeo and Julia. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a famous story about that movie um, Twins, you know, the Arnie uh, yeah. DeVito one. Or apparently the entire pitch, pitch. was someone said DeVito, Schwarzenegger, twins. Yeah. Right? And I reckon that's a great idea. Like that does immediately, I mean, that's good advertising. It's a great pitch. Great pitch. It's a great pitch because you immediately understand the movie. And Romeo and Juliet gnomes. Yeah. quite. <laughs> As you write that movie, it would all come out of that premise. Yeah. Like I, I would love to see a remake of Twins. Like I would love to see somebody remake the movie Twins, yeah. but with actual twins. But keep the script, <laughs> keep the script exactly the same as it is. So, like a word for word, you know what? That, that, that would become, remake, but with actual that's twins. A great idea. Yeah. That would become. I think that would be like a real sort of melancholy indie film. Yeah, it could because the whole right? film is about uh, Danny DeVito uh, having a problem with you know always being the runt of the litter yeah. and that his brother getting all the advantages in the world and he was always the bad guy. So if you have two identical twins. But just one of them feels like his brother got the advantages. That's a fucking great yeah. film. That's like a Sundance winning totally. fucking film. Just remake Twins, but with Twins. Yeah, but, but make it with, with just like no irony. It's just, it's serious. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. It's kind of like what they do, you know, we've talked about um, the Garfield cartoons where they remove Garfield. So it's just John talking to himself. Well, they, they did a nice thing online. And this is what the internet is all about. Uh, someone recut uh, Ferris Bueller, the trailer yeah. to Ferris Bueller as an indie flick. Yeah. 
And it's, it's really funny. And, and I feel that this is, you know, the, the real use of the internet. <laughs> is that people can waste their that time doing things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I am... Um, yeah, I think it would be really funny. And like I said, c- keep the script exactly the same. Um, but yeah, play it like in an indie way. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, a great idea. Completely different story. I reckon that's such a good idea. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> how, if that would be possible to get the rights for it. I mean... Well, it's a good pitch too. You could go into like a, <laughs> you know, an office and go, you know the movie Twins? Yeah. We remake it, but with Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. No, it's the second greatest pitch in history. You need to go in and go, Steve War, Mark War, War Twins. twins. <laughs> and the guy's like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, twins. <laughs> it can totally work. Remake the movie Twins as like a gritty, uh, you know, indie film starring Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Totally. As their big sort of comeback, edgy <laughs> crossover film. Love it. Oh, who, who directed that? Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman, genius. Yeah, genius. Yeah, as Tony Martin would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah what happened to Ivan Reitman? It's kind of it's, uh, it's sort of weird how guys lose their mojo. No, I can tell you what happened to Ivan Reitman. What, did um, something happen to Ivan Reitman? No, I, I um, have uh, I have met with, uh, not with Ivan Reitman, but with his uh, you know, production company. Yeah. And he runs this... Um, Is it What's it called? Does it have some kind of pun, like the Reitman stuff or something like that? Oh, yeah, right. The right men for the job. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, uh, no, I can't. Uh, off the top of my head, it, it yeah. doesn't Two occur to me. don't make a right man. Like your Will Anderson and a guy. Yeah, I think we'd have more people listening to it if we called it like Will Anderson and Friend. Like you know, <laughs> Josh Thomas's podcast is called Josh Thomas and Friend. Yeah, I've always wondered. You should. I, we would get heaps more. But it's, a, it's, a, it's it's the same friend each time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a guy called Tom Ward who's an awesome guy who who does some stuff for me, helps me with my internet stuff and stuff. He's a really cool guy. He's a comedian and stuff as well. He actually, it. I think he he actually advised us on the, the podcast. Yeah, like, he I, did. I had a phone call with him, and I couldn't work out if he was like suspicious because you know i mean he has his own podcast and i rang asking all these questions because i think you put me onto him or yeah he's a cool guy he works with my management company as as well as being a comedian and he's also a cool looking guy oh is he he looks like if harry potter was in pavement (laughs) (laughs) that's his look and he's really funny and he's a yeah he's a really sweetheart guy and he's like yeah josh thomas's friend he's the friend and that's a funny title they're not like you know it's not like josh has gone yeah i'm cold joy and you're the joy boys (laughs) Like I'm KC and you're the Sunshine Band. But do you think this has like a? Do you think this is a fifty-fifty relationship? You think the podcast is fifty-fifty? Yeah, definitely. Well, this is our thing. That's because we haven't said it's like Will Anderson and guest. Yeah, you know. But that I mean, but this, we, is, this but, is created but, in our own space. So we didn't know that was we didn't know that how it was going to form. Like we just we didn't plan this. Like it could have developed yeah. into like you being like. I'm the straight man. You're like, hey, knucklehead. You know, you know, that could have, it could have evolved that I, way. I wrote one of those jokes the other day, like a knucklehead joke. Did you really? Like, I'm sure that someone else has probably thought of this. I'm not saying, but I came up with this independently. Like one of those old... Hang on, sorry. Should I, like a knucklehead joke? Well, no, as it? in like an old school, like that sort of yucka, okay, yucka, yeah, yucka yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like, I don't write joke jokes. But this was the first time, and it actually just came up through a conversation. But I wrote like a, a like a, a knuckle, not a joke that I would ever do, but an actual if you could wanted to tell someone a joke, yeah. And it'd be like, so uh, my old lady said she wanted to have uh, sexual relations, so I went and got one of those blue tablets, and I swallowed it, but it got stuck in my throat, and all I got was a stiff neck. Oh yeah. A stiff neck because his Viagra got caught in his throat. He got a stiff neck. Do you, do you honestly think that you invented that joke? Well, I'm not saying I invented that joke. I'm no, just saying no, that, that, like, that, that, that the exact delivery and everything 
Have you not seen Austin Powers 3? Do so you do that joke? Michael Caine. Are you serious? Playing Austin Powers' oh, father. Oh, I've ripped off Austin Powers <laughs> by accident. Have I really? Is that a real joke? Yes. Oh, no. Michael Caine is Austin's pal. Because one of the jokes oh, is they, no. they do this bit where they're reunited for the first time. And they do that traditional bawdy British kind of stage comedy where they sit down together. So you almost did it word for word. Oh, no. Even in the accent. <laughs> oh, no. But how would I do that? Which What is the plot of Austin Powers 3? Maybe I've never seen it. Uh... I don't know. It's 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 a it's a spoof about a guy with bad teeth. Is that the one with Beyonce? Randy. Is Beyonce in that one? I've seen the Beyonce I one. Know. I've probably seen it. It's embarrassing. I really, I honestly can't tell the difference between the Austin Powers films. Mm. But that joke was definitely in it. Yeah, right. But I, I mean, you know, it's not the first time the comedians probably thought of a joke that has been on a film seen by millions of people around the world. What you just did was the equivalent of um, who's the guy that Australian comedian who made the joke that Letterman made. Ah, uh, uh, Dave Kellen. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, drink, man, woman. Yeah. And Dave Letterman made that same joke. Yeah. And I, sure, I, I bet Dave didn't actually know someone had made that joke Oh, before. no way. No, but, he's, he, he'd never do that on purpose. But it yeah. just so happens someone made that joke to a worldwide audience of like 30 million people. Like, that is bad fucking luck. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> stuff if you've missed the whole thing. Stuff if you're in Hollywood somewhere at the moment going, so I've got this great idea for a movie. There's these blue people. <laughs> I'm going to do it all in three days. That days. happens in Hollywood all the time, though. Like, every year there's, like, a, you know, a Deep Impact and an Armageddon or... They just go through periods where something's hot. But it's, don't you think it is amazing, though, that those properties get bought up by different studios at the same time? Like, because development can be such a delayed process. There's no, it's not like you buy a script and then six months later you're shooting it. Like, it can take two years, it can take one year, but it seems to happen that these th- projects explode at the same time. Do you think it's zeitgeist or it's just... There just comes times... No, no business secrets. It's funny, like, because that is like with music and movies and stuff like that. It does go through trends. Like, you know, for a while everything's 3D or for a while everyone's really into one style of thing and then that get, people get sick of that and then it goes away. But it's more the idea rather than the technique. I know what you say, but like, for, for, like everyone's into vampires yeah. at the moment. But vampires never really went away, did they? Yeah, but they have like periods. Where, like, everything's got vampires in it now. Like, you know, there'll be, there'll be like a CSI Transylvania where it's just like all vampires. That's a fucking great idea. <laughs> We should totally write that. That's fucking awesome. So, what are they? Are they vampires investigating cases of life? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, great. They live in a world. It's all vampires. It's all vampires, and they're investigating people who are yeah. like human. Yeah, who become human. We've seen signs of life. <laughs> and you know, you can. And the great thing about it is you don't have to change the cast because you can still use, uh, you know, the redheaded guy, David Caruso, because he's never seen sunlight. <laughs> It's very hard when you're a vampire to take your sunglasses off at the pivotal moment to deliver your line. I mean, <laughs> but it's funny. But that'd be great because that'd be a good twist. Would, is that they like the hardest thing about their job is that they can only investigate at night, and whereas like the people who are the criminals, the the humans, the alivers, uh, they can like, daywalkers. The daywalkers they can get around in the day. <laughs> It's great. It's a great idea. I reckon I'd like to see Twilight if all the cast are redheads. Right. Like, if being a vampire was specifically because you can't stand sunlight, yeah. you're actually like a redhead. Yeah. Pale skin, red hair. Right. Do you reckon it would have been as big a hit if right. all of them were redheads? If you basically had the guy from Harry Potter yeah. playing Edward <laughs> and the girl from Anne of Green Gables. I can't think of one the redhead. Uh, Nicole Kidman. She's <laughs> like 40. <laughs> She can play young. She can play. Who's a teenage redhead? Um, uh, what about the the girl who's from the village? Has she got red hair? You know the oh yeah, uh, uh, Ron Howard's 
Yeah, Ron Howard's daughter. He's got red hair. So does she have red hair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's she looks like a, a ginger. Yeah. All right. So well, she plays a villain in the latest Twilight. Yeah. Right. Well, she could be there. All right. So she's Bella. Yeah. And you got the guy from Harry Potter, <laughs> yep. as Edward. Yep. And what? Who's, are there any other vampires? Oh well, I mean, you just there's, the, other... there's the dad, the dad vampire, the blonde hair. You get yeah. Eminem. Eminem. <laughs> Because he looks like he's probably got a bit of ginger in him, doesn't he? He does have a bit of ginger. And he's got experience with having the peroxide hair. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. It's just a family of redheads. So would people Who go can't see? go out in the sun. And also really awkward at school. Yeah. Okay. They're, not, they're not the cool vampires yeah. of Twilight. That'd be great. Uh, well, here's, here's the upside. We live forever and we always stay young. Here's the downside. You will develop ginger pubes once I bite you. Because that's the thing. When they're trying to bring someone over, you could have blonde or brown hair, but the minute you're bitten by these, you know, vampires, these, yeah, these blood nut suckers, um, you you turn into a redhead and you, and you can't go out. Imagine if, like, vampires were... Because vampires are always really sexy and really cool. Yeah. It'd be much better to see vampires got to live forever. So that's the really cool bit. But you were really, really, like, you know, you couldn't go out in the day because, yeah, your skin was sensitive and you're, like, bad at sport. Yeah. And people didn't like you very much. Are we still talking about redheads? Or <laughs> have to be a redhead as well? Or just you become a And massive... redhead. Like, that's what I mean. Like, Well, what about you take the redhead element out of it? But you can live forever and become a vampire. But rather than... Because vampires are always shown as being really smooth and debonair and seductive. You can live forever, but you're actually really awkward and clumsy and you've got no style. <laughs> like, you're still a vampire. You still yeah. have to drink blood and you're resisting Bella because, you know, mm. you know you're so in love with her and whatever. But rather than looking like Robert Pattinson, you look like Urkel. Yeah. <laughs> what a great movie that would be. And really, if Urkel had been cast. Are you Team Jacob or are you Team Urkel? No, are you Team, are you team Jacob yeah. or Team... Did I do that? <laughs> if the... Or, yeah. If so, if the two hot vampire and werewolves were actually Urkel and Screech. <laughs> <laughs> But you still got to live forever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Would but you, you were just an eternally nerdy. Yeah. Would you choose that? Nerd Pies. Yeah. You could call the film Nerd Pies. Twatlight. <laughs> Do people tease you at primary school with that thing of, um, oh, you eat your crusts or something? That's how you get curls in your hair? Yeah, I never knew though, because like, if you went from different area to different area, it would be if you ate your crusts, you get curly hair. Yeah. And in some other areas, it would be... If you didn't eat your crust, yeah, yeah, that's why, get, that, that's why I was a bit uncertain. When like I, everyone knew it was around the crusts. Yeah, everyone knew the crusts were the issue. The crusts hold the secret <laughs> yeah. to but, hair social acceptability. But people were like, "Well, are you pro crust or anti crust?" Hey, you are the anti crust. <laughs> <laughs> a kid but, comes with no hair; he's the anti crust because um, his hair doesn't curl or straighten. You are the Antichrist. Charlie Brown must have been the Antichrist. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and apparently he'd probably be gluten intolerant. Right, so he wouldn't be able to eat any wheat or bread. Yeah, so he right. wouldn't actually have crust. No. In his life. No. Yeah, maybe there's there a are people like that. LA is filled with people who don't have carbohydrates in their lives. So. Yeah. Any of them could be the Antichrist. <laughs> we should go on a mission just running up to people who are gluten intolerant and ask for substitutes in cafes and just like grab their head and go, are you the Antichrist? <laughs> That'd be a great premise for a film. A serial, a serial killer who's deranged and, 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 and sees people who don't eat carbohydrates as like the Antichrist. Yeah. And he must wipe out all Antichrists. Yeah, totally. That's well, I, I mean, I know it comes up quite often on this podcast, yeah. but maybe it's just a, a advice that he could take. Um, that's an Adam Sandler film. 
Like no, he should just no, no, no. I was thinking more as like a, it's like a, a step down from David Fincher. Like it's kind of that oh. sort of like a dark seven type thriller. Yeah, but right. rather, but, but it wouldn't be as good as David Fincher. It'd be more like it probably star like Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Or Would it be like Dexter quality or not even, not that, even good? that good? I'm thinking right. much more exploitative. Oh, right. So it's just like a guy, you know. It's like The story's about like a cop who's, whose daughter has died and his wife's left him. Yeah. And he's got one case to crack that could, you know, redeem him in the eyes of everyone. And it's this serial killer who is out. They don't know why he's killing people. They're just finding all these people around LA who don't eat carbohydrates, like yep. slain in their homes and antichrist is written. <laughs> On the wall and blood, and so the cop has to, and the yeah. cop is played by Christopher Lambert, yeah. and the, the actual guy, the serial killer, could be played by like I don't know, who's like a B grade bad guy. Would have been like, oh, I don't know. I was, I was gonna say John Lithgow, but he's kind of respected, isn't he? He did Dexter. Yeah. Who's like a B grade bad guy? Who's the guy you get when you can't get the guy, the bad guy from Ghost? Uh, Gary Busey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Gary oh. Busey. Yeah. Okay. So Gary Busey is the Antichrist. No, no, he's oh yeah, he's that, <laughs> no, no, no. He is a he's a serial killer out to slay the Antichrist. Oh right. So he's on a mission from Pies. Oh, I see. This now that makes sense. <laughs> so who is playing the Antichrist? Well, no, the deranged because Gary Busey as a deranged serial killer oh. perceives people who don't eat carbs as being the yeah. Antichrist, and all right. Antichrist must be wiped out. Okay, so there's no actual. Antichrist. No. We're all Antichrist. Yeah. Well, no, people who don't eat gluten are Antichrist. Yeah, yeah that's right. People right. don't eat carbs. Yeah. So in LA, like, LA is filled with people who, yeah. you know, don't eat carbs. You said in LA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, there's more Antichrist here than yeah. anywhere. This is like the hell mouth. Yeah, exactly. Of Antichrist. <laughs> like, you know what it was? I noticed, like, living here, because uh, I quite like a bakery, and I, like, when I'm at home, I will go to, like, the, this, this, beautiful little organic bakery near where I live and I would drive there every day and get coffee and get fresh bread every single day and they have like so many cool breads and there's a dude there who talks to me about the breads and would like get me to try some new one that they really like or whatever and I fucking dig that yeah right and I I came to LA and I was like I wouldn't mind just going to a bakery and getting some fresh bread yeah you know none because no one eats fucking carbs in this town that's why yeah I haven't noticed any bakeries no bakeries there's no bakeries anywhere can't just walk in. There's no Brumbies or fucking Baker's Delight. Yeah. those That shit's everywhere in Australia. You're starting to sound like uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> there are no bakeries, man. <laughs> Have you noticed? He pulls out like a map and there's like red X's all over it. These are places Inglewood where... had seven bakeries last year. Now, none. I, I'm, I don't, it doesn't sound anything like Gary Busey. I don't know why I'm doing that voice. What did Gary Busey sound like? Uh, Utah, give me two. So Gary Busey's like... <laughs> What am I, who am I kidding? Like the best impressionists in the world don't do Gary Busey and I think that I can fucking pull it out. But uh, yeah, you sound like Gary Busey. You're yeah. paranoid about the lack of bakeries. Yeah, so basically that's a good twist. Yeah. You can have a whole lot of uh, yeah, maps of the places where the bakeries have been disappearing and he's yeah. seen the pattern. Yeah, that's right, the pattern. Oh, well, <laughs> of course, there's always a pattern in the films, isn't there? Yeah, so he's seen the pattern yeah, that is emerging with all these bakeries. Like, there was, like, obviously a map of America and there was all these, like, states where there was still quite a lot of bakeries. And as he went, like, further and further towards L.A., the amount of bakeries per person... Shrunk. Yeah, the BPP, as he would, like... Yeah. Yeah, that was his little measurement. Yeah. It would shrink and shrink and shrink until he's become... He's stumbled upon the... The Hellmouth. The Hellmouth. Yeah, that's right. Of no bakeries. The Hellmouth, uh. if God was a pie... <laughs> 
<laughs> We've got to point that out. In, in God We Crust. Ah! <laughs> well, can you use that? Because the anti-crust in God We Crust. I don't yeah, know. No, it's the same pun, but we can use it twice. Okay. I mean, I think in the quality of this sort of movie, we can use that twice, can't we? Uh, no, like it's still like trust. I mean we've got Chris we've got Christopher Lambert I'd, involved. <laughs> I'd prefer you you found a different pun instead of using God say like you know in like Hedgehog we trust you know Chocolate Hedgehog we <laughs> yeah. trust or something like that. All right, okay. one of those. Like right. um, in the name of the Father, in the name of the falafel. No, it doesn't quite work. <laughs> Give me another bakery pun to do with God um, or heaven. <laughs> um, the Father, the Bun, and the Holy Ghost. Yes. <laughs> Yes, you got there, Will. Well done. That, that's awesome. The Father of the Bun and the Holy Toast. Oh! Oh, yeah, there we go. Well. <laughs> um, there's nothing for it. Is it one for Father? No, you, you need Father to establish the... the father, the, the Bun and the Holy Toast. Yeah, the, yeah, otherwise the joke is just... Exactly. It could become too uh, unrecognisable from the thing that you're parodying in the first place. So So Father sets up and, you know, people's expectations in their mind go to the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And then you get like a nice two-beat joke off the back of it. So, yeah. So Gary Busey's character. (laughs) Felt like I was on an episode of Talking Comedy. Like, we we just break down what they were trying to do there, guys. Now, you see, they've created this atmosphere. (laughs) So uh, let's name back Gary Busey's character. Like, does he have a name? It'd be like a pseudonym. Like, the, the cops would have a name for him. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's not like the Antichrist killer. No. It's got to be something else. Like, you know, he'd be called, like, um, the Gingerbread Man or something like that. Oh, yeah, right. What, what, no, you come up with one. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> you come up with one. I'm challenging you. You can't take mine. Um, uh, the Baguette. Well, that's going to have two meanings, a little, doesn't it? The baguette only has one meaning. I don't think anyone has confused baguette like it used it incorrectly because it's impossible. It's just a baguette. Like the gingerbread man suggests, like you know, he's on the run, yeah. you know, and he's and he's killing people relating to pastries. Yeah, you can do better than that. You can't. You can't have mine. Mine just sounded. I thought it sounded more like you know, like the scarlet pimpernel, like the, the baguette. baguette. Sounds a bit. You know, the cape. The, the baguette. In rhyming slang, you could be called a dirty baguette, I think. <laughs> I don't know if that is rhyming slang, yeah. but I don't think you want to call this guy the baguette. Come on, okay. give me another one. The cops, you can see it. So the cops are in their station. They've got, like, all photos stuck up everywhere. They've got, you know, photos from all the cases. And the, and Christopher Lambert, you know, he's there. He's fucking smoking. He's talking to his partner. And they, they come up with a name for the guy. When they start to see that there's a pattern, what do they say? Um... We're going to get this guy. He's the gingerbread man. Is that the best one? Is that, have I really fucking snooked? Maybe you? you just came up with the best one straight away. Wow. Okay. I never do that. <laughs> I just can't think of anything. Okay. So he's called the gingerbread man. So yeah. the film could be called Gingerbread Man. Yeah. Not to be confused with, I'm sure there's a, like a John Grisham film called Gingerbread Man. Okay. Why, why aren't we not calling the, the film The Antichrist? Because I think maybe, I don't know, it gives it away. <laughs> because if the police are trying to discover what the link is between all these killings yeah. and you call it the Antichrist people might be led to believe <laughs> they may deduce it people themselves. might see the title the Antichrist and go oh yeah I'm pretty sure I know what this is about <laughs> um, a serial killer who kills people who eat carbs yeah that's the first thing that springs to my mind 
If okay. I see a movie called The Antichrist. Okay, but what I'm saying is... Um, they're like, boring! Can, I've seen that story so many times before. Can the... Uh, no, but what would the cops call him? The Gingerbread Man, but the film's called Antichrist. Yeah. Okay. So settling on that. The cops call him Gingerbread Man, the yeah. film's called Antichrist. Yeah. Okay. What happens in the third act? <laughs> <laughs> no, the second act. That's the first act. We've okay. established it. So the police are on the hunt for a guy, a deranged serial killer, who we meet in his own scenes, yeah. who is killing people you know, who, eat car- who don't eat carbs because you know, he believes in the Father, the Bun, and the Holy Toast. Yeah. And they told him that he needs to kill people who don't eat carbs. Yeah. So do we drop in an element where maybe the deranged guy isn't so deranged? Do we like, put a bit of doubt in the audience's mind? Oh, uh, I think we need... By having like his life, you know, like he gets shot and you think he's dead, but he's actually got like a sandwich in his pocket and the bullet's like lodged in the sandwich. Oh, yeah. Like some kind of divine... That's good. And like the big red stain could come on his chest, but it would just be like... Tomato juice. The jam from his sandwich. <laughs> so, yeah, is there some doubt that, you know, maybe he's not deranged? Yeah, I like that. That's good. So how do we do that? You've got to contribute something. I feel like I'm writing this script myself. Okay, well... I feel like this is Goodwill Hunting. I'm Matt Damon. You're Matt <laughs> I'm coming up with those ideas and you're like... Well, how's you thinking your idea wouldn't be the best? Um, yeah, that's right. You know, I'm, like, don't get me involved in your my low self-worth issues. <laughs> that's, like, wait. I was here being really supportive. Most people would be like, you know who I'd like a friend? I'd like a friend who listens to my ideas and is supportive and positive about them. I never said I disliked you. Well, I mean, I think you're implying it like I wasn't pulling my weight. I'm you said saying. that I was Ben Affleck to your Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> this was Goodwill Hunting. I think that was disparaging. Is that disparaging to say you are Ben Affleck to Sanzo's Matt Damon? Aren't they both yes. successful guys? Yeah, but one is much more successful than the other. How so? I'd well. There is... No, hang on, sorry. I'm eating my pretzel and ends. They're, they're equally successful as each other, just in different fields. Yeah, I reckon well, Ben Affleck's probably made more money than Matt Damon. Yeah, but like Matt Damon's heaps cooler and yeah, well respected. Then I would rather be Matt Damon than Ben Affleck. Plus, Ben Affleck is married to Jennifer. What's her face? Uh, well, the face that disturbs you. Yeah, the face. I don't like her face. Yeah, I don't know. I reckon they. I reckon they would. They would. That know, would be a bad thing to be in a relationship with if they, someone. If they, if, if I they, didn't like their face, if they both died. Right now, I think yeah. they'd both be remembered on on par. No, I think Matt Damon would be remembered more fondly and more critically, and Ben Affleck would be remembered. But as a director, though. Oh yeah, you know what? He's coming home. Like you know, you're right. He, he had a good year last year. Yeah, Ben Affleck. All right. Are you going to eat pretzel M and M's right through this entire podcast? Uh, you, no, I can hear it. I'm trying to eat off off my. Yeah, but it's like, like I, I was talking and I was like, "How long do I have to fucking talk for?" Because you're leaning off like your Stevie Wonder in the We Are the World film clip with your head off on this weird angle, so you don't crunch into the fucking microphone. But I can still hear you well, even though I'm leaning away from the microphone. Yeah, but you're concentrating so much on it making no fucking noise that you're not concentrating on what I'm saying. I am I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't respond in a natural way. Maybe I'd I say something every, that was funny. I heard everything you And you, you could said. laugh, but you're over there the fucking chomp, chompy, chomp, The very chomp. last thing you said before I went off mic was that Ben Affleck's having a bit of a comeback. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. Well, no, but I was thrown. I might have... <laughs> Stop it. All right, I've got two to, I've got two, <laughs> I've got two to go, and then I won't anymore. It's disrespectful to our listening audience. 
Well, I was eating enough mic until you drew attention to it. Yeah, but you were still, you were disrupting you the did breakfast fine radio. ballet. Are you telling me this... you never ate during breakfast radio? Not while the other person was talking. Really? Although Adam used to watch the soccer over my shoulder. He would come in and he would position the television behind my shoulder. Better than just in front of your face. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but he honestly, so it was like, basically, so it looked like his eye line was pretty much looking at me. And then he put the, the soccer on because it was on early mornings, you know, on the television. And he'd watch it over my shoulder. Occasionally, I think he was getting excited about something that I was saying, but it was just somebody was going to score a goal. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, no, I, I like to give the other person my full attention, Charlie. Okay. Yeah. Well, now that you've like... In this theatre of the mind. Five minute diversion. Ben Affleck, did you want to make that point up? No. No. Oh, well, no, I just thought that it was, you know... You you were making fun of me when you said I was the Ben Affleck of this screenwriting nah, I process. Was, I was. <laughs> I was. I think, I'll, I think, I'll admit something. I think that point's been proved. Yeah. Okay, so um, there's some sort of contact With, between the two of them. Between the cop and the killer. Yeah, between the cop and the killer. And, and the Antichrist killer. Okay. Yeah. What's the contact? Don't know. Does he start leaving clues or something for the cops? You yeah. know, is there some sort of mind game? Some sort of, yeah. you know, sort of battle of wits? Is he impressed by, you know, some of the okay. cops you know, that are on the case and wants to, you know, kind of taunt them but give them clues and play the game with you, them? You know what it is? He does a bit of research. The yeah. killer does a bit of research or finds the cop's wallet. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a shootout and a chase and the killer drops his wallet. But um, no, no, the cop drops his wallet and the killer comes back and gets it. And he, so he gets the detective's name. Yeah. And he starts researching the detective. And he sees that, like, in this, um, this detective is transferred from a, a previous station. Yeah, and the reason he got transferred is that he never did any work. He just used to eat donuts all Brilliant. the time. Brilliant. Right? So I was the, I was actually going to say that there should be a donut shop soon. Yeah, right. So it's perfect. Yeah. Brilliant. So his uh, wife, because he had such a donut problem, moved yeah. him out to LA because she's like, you know, it's ruining yeah. your, your job. It's ruining our, our marriage. Yeah. Get to LA where there's no carbs. So the killer too fat to fight crime. Yeah. Yeah. So the killer recognizes that and starts taunting the cop by saying, "Hey." You agree with what I'm doing. You agree with my mission. I know you like yeah. donuts. Yeah. You don't agree with all these people who don't eat carbs. Like, why are you trying to stop me, man? You know what I'm doing? But, you know, he also ties in the crazy religious elements about believing in the Father, the Bun, and the Holy Toast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, that goes without But saying. you know what it's a bit like? Could he lead, leave it some sort of trail of, like, breadcrumbs? <laughs> Like, you know, towards clues and stuff. Donuts. No, he would always leave donuts. Always that's donuts? Because weakness. Right. And then when it gets to, like, the... Thir- Could he have a donut where he shaped it? So, he'd like, you'd bite one bite out of, like, a round donut, and then you just get, like, a little donut hole, basically. Yeah. And you could have, like, a um, question mark donut. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, you yeah. make them into... Yeah, yeah, into different shapes. Yeah. Yeah, he could do that, definitely. Yeah. But I think what should happen in the third act... But you know what it's almost like in the line of fire? Right. When you've got John Malkovich. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's what I was imagining. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, but not exactly like it. Trademark. So I think <laughs> what should happen is in the third act, the cop gets uh, his badge taken off him. Yeah. Flamberg gets his badge taken off him because the killer sets up, like fills his uh, locker with like half-eaten donuts yeah. and it gets found. Highly. So it gets you know kicked off the force. Yeah. And then when they have their big showdown in the, in the third act... And they, maybe there's like bags that look like cocaine, but it's like just cinnamon dust. Yeah, cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon sugar. <laughs> It'd be a scene where like another you know, cop's bust his locker open and one of them sticks their finger in and goes, cinnamon <laughs> yeah. and sugar. 
and we found hundreds of thousands in his uh, locker. Hundreds of thousands of dollars? No, bags of hundreds of thousands. <laughs> so I reckon, um, so the cop goes renegade. Yeah. He goes out for his own justice, but yeah. his wife gets kidnapped by Gary Busey. Of course. And then the showdown is in like a donut factory mm. or something. <laughs> like that's what the bad guy has been building underground is yeah. like a black market donut factory. Right. And he's got his wife and, but there's also a huge plate of freshly cooked donuts. And he's like, and Gary Busey's standing in the cup, you've got to choose, you know, like your wife or, or the donuts. And like, you know, it becomes this real sort of battle of, you know, if he, if he saves his wife, he's not only saving her, he's saving himself. Huh. But you don't know because we've seen him have this breakdown with donuts and in flashbacks we see like how much he loved donuts. What if um, like James Bond-esque, uh, the villain had rigged her above like a, a vat of like boiling oil, like the sort of oil that you put donuts in. Yeah, okay. Like she's above that vat. But like equally balanced is a plate of the most delicious donuts of all time. Yeah. Because this is what he's discovered, obviously, is like he can make these delicious donuts yeah. for some reason, this yeah. serial killer. Yeah. Maybe... So he- hang on, let me just say, so the serial killer at this point <laughs> in the movie has stopped killing people. He's just built a gigantic donut factory underground. <laughs> no. Can he be this? Can, can this happen? Um, uh, he's discovered there's something in people who don't eat carbs that if you drain it, it makes the most delicious, and you mix it into your donut mix. It makes these donuts. Ah, yes. That are, so he's using. So he's killing people. Yeah. Who don't believe? Because in his it's mind, like a Soylent Green meets yeah, donuts. Yeah. But thing. It, it, in his mind, he's not killing people. He's killing no. like sinners, or he's killing. They're like cattle. Yeah. Like when he has his hallucinations, when um, the father, the son, the, the bun, and the holy toast, toast. appear. Yep. You know, they can say to him, people who don't eat carbs, they're no better than cattle. You know, you can go out and yeah. slay them and use their meat to, you know, uh, praise and honour us or something like that. Yeah. And, okay, so he's rigged up um, their wife over the, the vat of boiling, like, uh, donut. Donut cooking oil. Yeah, cooking oil, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and she's equally balanced by a plate of these most delicious tasting donuts of all time. Right. So the, the cop... He says, you can take one, eat one, and he eats one. And he's like, and oh, my God, wife, this is the most delicious yeah. thing ever. But his wife just wavers a little bit. Yeah, that's right. And then suddenly he's got this moral dilemma of, do I keep eating the most delicious donuts or how many could I eat before yeah. she's still at a time where I could save her? Yeah, yeah. And then that's like it. So he has overcome himself and his love of donuts or versus his love of his wife. Yeah. And so what happens? He eats the donuts. No. No, 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 no that's not right. You know, no, well, what's the big finish? So... You got the bad guy urging him on, yeah, and he's got his wife begging, and he's got like a donut in his hand, yeah, and he's like smelling it, yeah. <laughs> licks a bit of the icing, <laughs> yeah. But then, like, does he throw the donut at the bad guy or something? He's got to do something that's like a definitive. No, I think it's like one of those things where it's like the power, like if you did it with like a bit of yeah, it's it's the power of him moving past the plate of the donuts, like yeah. you know. So he just reaches for his wife. You think yeah. he's going for a donut, yeah. And he grabs her hand and yanks yeah. her out. And you got some big music that's play, playing that sort of powerful. He's about to make a decision music. Okay. And then the guy's partner from the police force busts in and shoots. Oh, okay. So he saves his wife, but yeah. then the bad guy pulls out a gun on them. And just when you think it's all over, the partner, who we yeah. haven't seen since like the end of the second act, because yeah. he got kicked off the force, she comes busting in and shoots the bad guy. Brilliant. And then we cut to like like straight into credits and like a really 80s rock song, like guitar, like... The Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Antichrist. 
Something like that. Yeah, and then... And then <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> underwhelmed. No, I'm into that. And then at the end, they... Oh, you know what? I don't think they're married. They shouldn't be married. They should be like, you know, engaged. And okay. they've been engaged for way too long and, yeah. you know, blah, 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 She's blah, She stuck with him when he had his donut yeah. problem. But if he had to, like, he had to leave, you know, the donut city and come to LA because <laughs> to save their relationship. That's been the through line. Yeah. So at the end... After the credits, we could have like a wedding scene yeah. where they're throwing donuts out to <laughs> yeah. at the end of the wedding, yeah, so, like confetti. Everyone's throwing donuts. But would that be? Would, would he? Would he be able to go near donuts? Has he conquered his? Addiction? Yeah, that's the thing. He's so he can be around his... donuts now. Yeah, totally. And well, there must be. Do you think? Do you think there's also like a moral? Message Maybe he's eating celery. Should there also be a moral message where people in LA, it's okay to eat carbs again? Should, yeah. Could that be like a wider? So you know what happens? So they're in that factory, right? Yeah. And the bad guy, you know, has got them with a gun and then the partner comes in and shoots him. And then um, the bad guy, in the last final act, he pulls like a self-destruction switch. And so the factory starts to throb and grow and grow. And so they run out and as it explodes, it rains like fresh, delicious donuts all over L.A., and so you cut the people like on like treadmills and working out and stuff and, you know, sitting at cafes eating salad and all of a sudden like beautiful fluffy donuts fall from the sky and everyone starts eating it. And it's like, you know, you do wide shots of people just like sharing donuts, stuff them in their face. Dancing in the street. Yeah, just rolling in donuts. Celebration carbs, donuts. Carbs are back. Then you cut back to the guy and he kisses his girlfriend. Then you cut to, yeah. is it antichrist? Brilliant. The anti-crush would sound a bit like, you got the touch. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you got the tart. That's brilliant. You've got the flower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> I think that'll be a good film. Yeah. I think, oh, actually, most films now. I watched Die Hard. Did we talk about this already? I watched Die Hard <coughs> a, a couple months ago. Have you seen what they're doing for the... Oh, yeah, the fucking prequel. They're doing a prequel oh, for Die Hard. God. Uh, but when you watch it, it is honestly like they have just gone, oh, you know what little affection you still have for this? We are going to dig up the corpse and we are going to fuck that. Well, I read the, I read the article and the article was saying, despite the lukewarm reception for the last film, um, like Len Wiseman, Fox and Bruce Willis, who's a producer on it, seemed determined to put one out as if it was like a threat. (laughs) It's like, we're saying as an audience, no more. No more. We can't take any more, please. And they're like, well, no, we are, we are going to do it. And you are going to watch it. And you are going to buy our shit. Well, it's more like we're saying, hey, look, we came and saw a lot of these based on the fact that we like two and a half of the other ones. Yeah. Please, if, if you're going to make another one, make something really good and we'll come. Or just don't bother. But have you heard of what the, the premise is? That's so it's a, it's a prequel set in the yeah. late 70s. Uh, that he's going to be bookended by Bruce Willis. So he's not even going to fucking be in it. Right. Well, because he can't play himself in that era. No. Well, he can get Joseph Gordon-Levitt to do it. Right. <laughs> I'd actually be curious to I would that. like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, but they're going to get some other Jai Courtney type no. to be young Bruce Willis. Because no. who can be young Bruce Willis? I mean, that's just such a stupid idea. idea that you think anyone on the planet... Like, I mean, even in uh, whatever... But, okay, but what if they read... Are you saying... You're saying John McClane is a character who is so intrinsically tied to Bruce Willis. So intrinsically. More so than Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford? Yes. You said that character is more iconic than the actor who plays it. Yeah, uh, like, so Indiana, you could put anyone in that hat and whip. 
I think you can make an equal argument. Here we go. I, I think you can make an equal argument. Equal argument that when you think of Harrison Ford, you think of Han Solo as you do of Indiana Jones. But when you think of fucking Bruce Willis, at Bruce Willis, like you Bruce Willis is John McClane. Yeah. That's you know what I mean. Like that's and he's had other memorable roles. Oh, he's been in a bunch of other memorable and probably better films, but yeah. uh, doubtful. <laughs> Not the first one. The first one is almost perfect. The, the Sixth Sense? It's a good film, but I'd say, like, Die Hard is... I mean, when it comes to... I mean, iconic, I, I... Look, I... I masters it. of their genre. Hudson Hawk. Still, <laughs> yeah. still a good film. Striking film. distance. I will still stand Mercury by Hudson Mercury Rising. Hostage. <laughs> the Jackal. He's made so many good films. Cop Out. <laughs> I, uh... Surrogates. <laughs> Shit. Well, maybe we're pumping... Bruce, maybe Bruce Willis actually sucks. And we Mate. just love that one film so uh, much. Well, this given. is my point. We love that film so much. Can't show business just get together and have like an intervention? Yeah. Or can't... <laughs> yeah, the president of, uh, president of show business. Right. <laughs> Bruce, we're going to talk, mate. Isn't this one of those moments where the industry... Like, she has to fucking protect the audience. <laughs> no, but I don't even mean that. I mean, couldn't you get like a super team of people who... If you went around now and said, hey... Who, who loves Die Hard or who was like influenced by Die Hard? Who has an affection to that movie? Of the best actors, the best screenwriters, the best directors in the world. And just go, hey guys, you've seen the last few, right? Let's just toss some ideas around. Let's yeah. put something together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that though, uh, Len Wiseman, I think is just thinking he's like he stars. He has a franchise he's attached to considering he's never made a good film in his entire career. But Bruce would just be like, I need to buy another island. But I mean, ima- he's got a lot of kids to support. But also imagine how many islands you could buy with a fucking good die But he movie. wouldn't have a stake in it, I don't think, would he? Like, if he... I mean, he would have to give up the rights in some regard, wouldn't he? Well, to bring in other people? Because he's going to split, split the profits? You know what? Let's just do it for Bruce. Let's just do it for Die Hard. Oh, we, 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 you know so what? You know, let's we, just do why it. Why don't we submit a script? Yeah, okay. Our idea. Uh, what would be a good Die Hard movie? Let's fucking riff one now. I die Hard and Elevator. I better it'll be better than the fucking prequel because we all agree the right, pre- let's, right, prequel is a terrible idea. Let's go back to what makes Die Hard work. Okay. Ordinary man, ordinary man circumstances. Yeah, okay. A guy who Brilliant. can get hurt. Um, a guy who doesn't lose his sense of humor despite the kind of you know the the, the odds he's facing. Um, tough but sensitive. Voice of the ordinary bloke. Flawed. Yeah. Trying to save his marriage. Um, What else? That's pretty much it. That's that's John McClane. Yeah, that's all you need. So how do you you dust... All right, so are we... And he's going to have that... Are we rebooting it or are we using old Bruce? The thing I like about John McClane, particularly in the original one, is there is a touch of that Kevin Smith, you know, uh, clerk's... I didn't even, like, you know, I'm not I'm even meant to be here yeah, today. Yeah. Like, exactly. there's that real element of, like, yeah. I would rather be doing Can anything but this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, lady, does sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> All yeah. right. So... He can't get his head... Or, he's fish out of water, too. He's Oh, yeah, definitely fish out of water. So how do we do that now? Like, last one was when Go they blew up fucking... fucking you know, they blew up Moscow and they introduced uh-huh. his son and actually, all that sort I, of the shit, The last right? two I've confused because they're just so bad. Like, the live free and die hard to die another day, we'll call it. Live free to die hard another day. Is it, what's it called? The uh, Live free and die hard and... What's the last one called? Uh, live... No, hang on. Live free, die hard. Live free and die hard. 
shit. Hang on. Let's go through it. Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, Die Hard 3, Die with it. Die Hard with, die hard with a Vengeance. Die Hard 4, Live Free and Die Hard. And what's Die Hard 5? Ooh, die know. Hard. Die Hard on. <laughs> How can we not? Die, we should think about this. Die uh, Oh, maybe be, the last one is Live Free and Die Hard. Yeah, Live Free and Die Hard. So That's what, the last is one. Is it Die Hard 4.0? Um, yeah, it was oh, there was one, one that was tech-based. Yeah, you're right. I can't fucking believe it. See, this is how but I this is my point. This. But this is my whole point. Yeah. Is like fucking Die Hard. One of them was Citizens on Patrol, I believe. The last one was Mission to Moscow. No, hang on. Live Free and Die Hard and... Oh, fuck. Live Free and Die Hard and It's a Good Day to... It's a Good Day to Die Hard? No. It's a Good Day to Die Hard. Wasn't that one of them? Live Free and Die Hard. Isn't one of them called It's a Good Day to Die Hard? Yeah, we have to... Can we just pause it? Yeah, okay. We'll pause it. I need to find out what the answer is. Are we back? We're back, aren't we? We're back. There will be Googling music. Oh, good. I'll remember to put that in. Maybe. Okay, so take me through the four, uh, five films. Okay, here we go. So this is your Die Hard. Uh, Die Hard series. Okay, Die Hard. Yes. 1988. Die Hard 2. That's just what it's called. It's not called Die Hard. It's not called Die Hard. It's oh. called Die Hard 2. Okay. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. Uh, Live Free Die or Hard. Die Hard. Or Die Hard. Yeah, or Die Hard. Oh, I thought it was Live Free and Die Hard. That, that's the ultimate, right? <laughs> do I have to... Does that have to be one or the other? Can't I Live Free and then Die Hard? That was number five. <laughs> live Free and Die Hard. And number six was Live Free and or Die Hard. <laughs> I wish it had been and or. Uh, so Live Free or Die Hard? A good day to Die Hard. A good day to... See, I, when I was in the bathroom on our break... I thought that might be it, but then I'm like, oh no, you're just mixing up Fury Road because what a lovely day. <laughs> I remember the poster said, Yippee Kaye, Mother Russia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I bet you at the marketing meeting, there was fucking high fives all round. Those high fives all round went, I mean, because the worst thing about Live Free or Die Hard. <laughs> Was it was the first PG Die Hard film, yeah. And so when it got to that moment where he was had the bad guy on his knees and he said "Yippee Kaye, mother," and there was a gunshot. He doesn't even say "motherfucker," right. and that was like Die Hard has officially jumped the shark. Okay, so um, last one was in Russia. Yeah, but okay. So are we rebooting it or are we keeping Bruce? No, I want Bruce. Okay. I mean, I don't think you can make. Die- this is my whole point about yeah. the prequel. Is I don't think you can make Die Hard without Bruce. Who wants to see it? No. And no. that's what they try to do with Jai Courtney anyway. This yeah. is just another go at Jai Courtney. They, if Jai Courtney had been popular enough as Bruce Willis' son, I bet you that would have been when the next thing. has that ever worked? I mean, like, if, they if brought River in, Phoenix they brought hadn't in died Sheila in Booth? Indiana Jones... Well, they brought in Sheila Booth. No yeah, but LaBeouf is no... River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Well, you know, I mean... LaBeouf is no Phoenix. But I don't know River Phoenix would have been a good fucking Harrison... And they, they couldn't have... They wouldn't have done it with... River Phoenix. Who knows what River Phoenix could? Have I mean, they talk about Chris Pratt, yeah. and that seems like a no-brainer to me. Like he apparently hasn't been offered it, but you know, people are like, well, that seems like the most obvious. If you had to right, pick because one he person. played Indiana Jones in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> I can really picture him playing this character because pretty much Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World were both well, him playing Indiana Jones. Guardians was Han Solo. I, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But basically you've been playing and then he's just been walking around with a, a diamond earring and being stoned and mumbling. <laughs> Fl- flying airplanes into golf <laughs> courses. <laughs> you know, actually, 
it's interesting uh, thing I read about Chris Pratt, which sort of ties into the whole kind of diet getting fit kind of. Oh thing. yeah, uh, he can eat no fat, and his wife can eat no lean. What? Do you not remember that no? rhyme from when you were a kid? Jack Spratt could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean? No. Do you I... not is that is that not a real thing? Have I just made that up? <laughs> you may be the greatest freestyle rapper on the planet. <laughs> Did my parents just have like some Jack, weird Jack's no Jack's fat and I don't know what? <laughs> it was uh, I think it was Jack Spratt and he could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean or Jack Spratt poem, here we go. Look at this. See, I knew I was not this. This is the today. first time ever in Dope Up you have remembered some obscure <laughs> fucking thing, and I have the, I'm the one with no idea. Here we go. Uh, Jack Spratt, or Jack's, uh, Jack Spratt with one T, which is the one I looked up, but it says in brackets, or Jack Spratt two Ts. Okay. English language nursery rhyme. Uh, okay, here we go. Jack Spratt could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean. What does that mean? Well, I guess. She couldn't eat meat, he couldn't eat fat. Well, he, he couldn't eat fat, and she couldn't eat... Lean meat. So lean she could meat. eat... Does that mean she could eat fat, then? Love the fat. Okay, yeah, His yeah, wife yeah. loved fat. Dirty tramp. Dirty fat. Dirty fat lover. <laughs> Mrs. Spratt. Fat lover. <laughs> That's the fucking sequel we should be making. <laughs> I don't care about fucking Donny, Johnny Spratt. What's his name? Jack. Jack, Jack Spratt. Jack Spratt. <laughs> Jack Spratt could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean. And so between them both, you see, they licked the platter clean. Ah. Is that it? Right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it probably makes more sense than any of the diehard sequels. <laughs> uh, no, I read this interview with Chris Pratt and he said when he first came to Hollywood, because everyone talked about his transformation from being the chubby guy from Parks and Rec to being, you know, muscle-bound hunk dude. Yep. And he said, well, when he first came to Hollywood, he was super fit. He got into... Guardians of the Galaxy shape. But when he went for auditions, all he would be cast as is the douchebag because he looked and sounded like a douchebag. That's his just natural quality. So he was like, well, I want to do comedy and stuff, but in order to get cast in comedy, I can't look like the dudes who used to bully, you know, the casting agents in high school. So he allowed himself to kind of, you know, get a bit chubby to do Parks and Rec. But now he's got fit again. Everyone's like, oh my God. It's amazing. You can do this. It's like, well, no, I could always do that. It's just that your perception of me was on the douchebag. So I had to show you I could do something else to now allow me to do leading man roles. This is interesting, though, because basically what you've asked your trainer to do is get you into douchebag shape. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I need to go on the douchebag program. I started lovable. Now I want to get into douchebag douche shape. Yeah, can I? <laughs> well, that's actually part of part of the, my motivation for doing this is if I ever had to like get a role where I had to get fit, I want to know that I can actually do it because I seriously have doubts about stuff I can do physically. I'm not the most naturally gifted. No, no, no. You know what? I got, I got fit once like, and it was, it's fine. Like if you dedicate yourself to it, it's fine. Yeah. You do get fit. (laughs) Then you get bored (laughs) being fit because it's a full-time job. That's what I see when I see really fit people these days. I just see like every ab, every like ab I can see is basically one thing I know they've denied themselves mm. and they have to deny themselves again tomorrow. Yeah. I get the idea of like getting fit to the point where you're like, oh, now I can blow it out. Yeah. And I imagine that's what you'll be like. You'll get fit for like 12 weeks and then you'll have like a great month over Christmas oh, yeah, and totally. it'll be the best. Exactly. Like I totally get that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But this idea that you're like, oh. I'm going to do it forever. I mean, it's oh, essentially no like you've locked yourself into a mortgage you can't afford. Exactly. And so you're basically like that thing where you're like, I have to work 
all the fucking time and get all the joy out of my but, life but just that, so that my house can look great. But that look, like even my trainer said to me that the look we're going for is not sustainable. Right. It is a look for, you know, it's a vanity thing. Like it's not, it's not a, a, a way to live life. There's no balance to it. Well, when I got uh, some photos, you have to have an end. When point. I got fit and we were taking photos for the thing, mm. one of the things they told you was like, I think a couple of days before you drink heaps of water, but then on like the last 24 hours, you basically yeah, don't drink dehydrate. any water. You dehydrate. Yeah. And again, it's just about looking good in the moment. Mm. You do push ups on the day yeah. when you get your photos and shit. Yeah, but, <clears throat> but that's not, but that's not something that you can maintain all the time unless you know, you're the rock and you have like a, you know, your own gym and a team of nutritionists and stuff and you make your money off looking like that all the time. So I think we have touched on this before in previous podcasts, but the idea that there's dudes who have regular jobs, office jobs or whatever, and they still look like that means that they must do nothing else but the job they have and then fucking working out. And like you said, denial, denial, denial. Uh, Okay, here's one. The thing we always loved about Die Hard, right? was that first movie because it's in a building. Like, this is the thing I hated about the latest Die Hard movie was the first, like, hour and a half is this ridiculous chase scene where they destroy all of Moscow without anybody noticing. Mm. And it just, it adds nothing. Like, you're like, we've seen chase scenes. We've seen things being blown up. This is fucking Die Hard. And the original one, like, I mean, I know it's in a building and, like, there's a couple of explosions and shit, but it's not really... It's not, a, it's, it's not like an epic kind of destruction movie. No. No. In fact, if anything, the destruction is internal. Right. And that's another thought I had when we had our break is the actual name of the film, Die Hard. That is the key to the film because it's like you don't really think about it, but his character is a diehard. He's right. stubborn. The whole reason his marriage is falling apart is because he wouldn't follow his wife to Los Angeles. And even when he gets there and his thing breaks out, he won't give up. He's a fucking diehard. That is the key to the character of John McClane. <coughs> but- in those latter films, it's not that. It's not that his unwillingness to give up, you know, uh, makes him triumph over evil. It's he's a fucking Superman who can, like, you know, jump a fucking cop car into a helicopter. So he doesn't need to be a diehard to beat the, the bad guys. He's just a superhero. I mean, so the, the, the is in, there any chance that Bruce Willis or... thought Unbreakable was a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe he's merged the two franchises. He hasn't separated the two Oh, these characters. aren't diehard sequels. No. These aren't oh, unbreakable sequels. sequels. <laughs> oh, in that case, fantastic. Wow. wow. And this has been M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan's greatest twist of all. The greatest trick M. Night Shyamalan ever <laughs> pulled on mankind was to not let us know that the diehard sequels were actually unbreakable sequels. <laughs> You know what? We don't need to write the new Die Hard that's film. His, that's his boyhood. Yeah, exactly. He's been working on this project for 15 years. It's an elaborate piece of work. That's funny. That makes sense. That makes sense. And if you told me that, I'd be like, because oh. the whole point of Unbreakable is it's the origin story of, an, uh, of a superhero. And so the other two films make sense. I wonder if Bruce is aware. Maybe he is aware of that. Um, I think you have to go back to the building. I think the next Die Hard film goes back to a building. Okay, here's how Like, it's a return to the original building because the building's great. You do it in the same way that Jurassic World sort of clumsily did it and 21 Jump Street did it quite well, which is you comment on the fact that Bruce is going back to Nakatomi Plaza. Like, he's going back to the scene where he became legend. Right. But things have changed. The things that he did in 87 or 88, whenever the film came out, it's different now. Right. Now that he's like a guy who's almost 60 years old. But you still give him those same qualities of being a diehard. Right. Well, maybe I mean, he's because... stubbornly refusing to 
Get well, a pension card. Well, no, maybe he's back there for like you know some ceremony. His daughter's some, getting married. They have no. I think they're having oh. some sort of commemoration of, of the like, terrorist attack of right whenever October eighteenth. Right, when it was ten eighteen. So, so what? What did we say? The first meal nineteen eighty eight. Is that what we said? Oh, yeah, eighty seven eighty eight. Eighty seven eighty eight. So like, so it's yeah. So it's yeah. Okay, thirty year anniversary. Yeah. Like, so we're coming up to the 30th anniversary. So of the Nakatomi first Plaza happening. are having their, like, you know, uh, and they've invited John McClane, the hero of Nakatomi, right. the Nakatomi siege. But the thing is, they've got this new high-tech security system. So the people who are running this new system are like, all like, you know, but of course this would never happen these yeah, yeah, days yeah, yeah. because, you we, know, we have this, like, you know, we're the crack security team and you're old school ways. They're all very modern in their ways. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you, and you flip the... Because so, Nakatomi Plaza was in that height of that kind of Japanese paranoia, you know, like right. sort of high tech espionage, you know, Japanese paranoia. And so you flip that and say, well, no, Japan are like uh, our friend. You've got to find. So everything that he goes in with these preconceived biases against the Japanese or Nakatomi Plaza or Europeans, that's what it's got to be. It's because they're Euro trash villains. So maybe a German company bought out Nakatomi Plaza. Right. And uh, they're all like got the long hair, like that one henchman. <laughs> Or something like that. You know what I mean? But they're actually... Because Germany has shifted to becoming like one of the most progressive countries right, absolutely. on the planet. So uh, it's, it's actually... Letting it's a, more refugees come in than any other country. Renewable very energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. the, the company that bought, a, bought Nakatomi Plaza are, are in renewable energy. It's one of those open plan offices where people what? ride scooters around. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And so Bruce is a fish out of water again. Because right. he's a fucking dinosaur, right? Uh, so then do you... Because this is this new model of German efficiency and technology and, like, you know, the open world. Yeah. So are there terrorists? Has to be. Well, I mean, here's the thing. But we live in a world of terrorism now, so it's got to be more clever than just, like... As the, like a group of bad guys. It's right. got to be something... So what is... I mean, the thing about the original diehard terrorists were yeah. that they weren't... They were smart and sophisticated. They had a, a, a they had a plan that was not politically motivated. They just were thieves. They were just highly skilled, ruthless thieves. So it's kind of got to be something like that. But also the other thing about the Die Hard films at their best, and I would say Die Hard with the Vengeance falls mm. in this category as well. Is and uh, you know, and actually even in the second one, is all the um, criminals, all the like you know uh, plans of like the you know the terrorists or the people who've got the plots going on. They're all kind of, if you were showing Ocean's Eleven from the other side, yeah. they all have quite great intricate plans. Yeah. So that whoever they are, these terrorists or the people who take over or whatever, they've got to have some like intricate scheme because mm. that's always good that he foils some sort of level yeah, of all yeah, these. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if so the goal, if the goal of the original terrorists was like, you know, just the money, yeah. is that still the motivation for these terrorists or is there something more valuable these, day, this, these days? Like, is it sort of like intel? Like, you know... Um, well, like... Are they hackers? Know, you mean like... Oh, no, they uh, sort of done that in Die Hard 4. Yeah, no, but, but less hackers and more like, you know, this is the age of, like, uh, data mining or open information like WikiLeaks and all those sort of things. Maybe. Okay. Oh, so maybe, maybe this, uh, rather than being like a, a renewable energy building, maybe there's some kind of confidential information in there. I mean, renewable energy, like, I mean, because obviously if, you, if you're doing renewable energy, you've got all the major oil corporations and big energy corporations yes. that could be... Oh, that, that's, oh, that's perfect. That's the bad guys. Right. It's a team of mercenaries. Which so is also team. very of now. Yes. That big energy is yeah. the evil. Yeah, team of mercenaries. So, so we can actually make some social commentary yeah. here. So a team okay. of mercenaries have been brought together by 
uh, big oil and, yeah. and, and coal. <laughs> yeah, big coal to take out to take out this. Uh, it's like it's like Tesla. You yep. know, they've they've produced a renewable energy battery that'll be affordable, installed in every home. So, uh, uh, yeah, the fossil fuels are trying to take it down. So then what happens? <laughs> but also, Bruce Willis, perfect for um, Bruce Willis in this situation, is the idea that, like, you know, he's still... Like, renewable energy is not his jam. Yeah, that's right. He finds a... Mil- but he, he, he's eating a burger. Eating a burger. Yeah. He, goes to, like, no, he goes to the cafeteria. Using spray-on deodorant. He goes to the cafeteria... <laughs> And he can't recognise any of the foods because okay. there's no fries. It's like green beans and right. you know, there's like tofu burgers and stuff like that. It's oh like, yeah, he drives his old uh, petrol powered yeah, car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up to the I... place where everyone's got their cars that plug in. Yeah, yeah. And he exactly. like goes into a place and he yeah. can't plug it in. Yeah, yeah perfect. All right, so I think is... I think we've established the first yeah. fifteen minutes of the film. <laughs> <laughs> we get what it is. But uh, what happens? I mean, I, so do we just follow the same kind of beats of the first film? Then why not? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're here to see. Right. Isn't that what you want to see? If yeah. they If like, they did a good twist on the first one. Okay, so I think we just... I, I'm happy to do that and say that's the film. But what is the emotional uh, conflict of John McClane? Because it can't just be enough he's in town for this memorial of, you know, the National <laughs> Siege. His daughter's got to be getting married or... Um, uh, his wife's got to be Holly. As well, that's... I mean, but what better opportunity for a reunion of some kind with his wife... Than the anniversary oh, of she's awkwardly brought back and right. uh, yeah yeah that's perfect right that's perfect and do we um, bring in uh, Mary Stewart must know what's her name uh, his daughter you know she was in Scott Pilgrim she's three barrel name uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead okay sure do you know what I'm talking about yeah but yeah. I but I don't know what her name okay is. she's his daughter in Die Hard Four okay so and Jai Courtney do we have to bring Jai Courtney back I mean we don't have to Jai Courtney's off fighting crime somewhere. <laughs> uh, no, there's a scene where he's on, they Skype. He's like, hey, oh, hey good. dad, yeah. sorry I couldn't be there to see you. Have a great mission. I definitely won't, you definitely won't be there. Right. You won't be seeing me again. But maybe it's one of those things where if it's an anniversary, maybe you can even introduce some old characters because they could have some people back, right? Uh, Is there any chance you can have like... Uh, for example, could the newsreader guy yes. from the first two Walter films Peck from Ghostbusters be covering like the 30th year, yes. for example? Yeah, and, and you bring Reginald Van Hudson, Family Matters guy, who was the the cop, the cop, yeah. and you could get the yeah, uh, limo wow. driver. What about the limo driver? Yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, limo drivers there. They're all there, of course. Everyone is involved in the original set. You yep. get the FBI agents. In fact, maybe he could get no, he could get picked up in a limo. Yes. <laughs> Driven by the son of the guy. Because yeah. like a family business now. 100%. Yeah. yeah definitely. Because uh, this is the great thing about a anniversary is you've got this excuse to kind of touch on all these characters. So, Holly and him are fighting <coughs> over something. Like maybe they haven't finalised their divorce yet or are they... No, I reckon she's with someone new. Ah, yes. And that's a great way to bring in like a good kind of comedic actor. Right. Or someone who can play douchebag quite well. Or not even douchebag, likeable, but still not right for Holly. Yeah, absolutely. Let's yeah. cast that. Got to be kind of Bruce Willis age, like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no? It's like a because uh, he he could easily be evil and in on the no plan no after. but I think 
playing kind of like annoying, like he's a, he's a, he's a kind of uh, a professor of some bullshit course at a university or whatever. And he's sensitive in all the ways that John McClane isn't, you know, and he likes to discuss things. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, he has quick questions about the Nakatomi seeds, like was force required? What happened? What would have happened if John had allowed the FBI to negotiate and, you know, uh, it could have been resolved peacefully without all this loss of life. That's, you make him that kind of character. I think he's too big a star. Okay. Well, are, you, are we going to have a name actor or are you just saying an unknown? Oh, yeah, I think you need a name actor, but to me is like, he's, he's as big a star as Bruce Willis now. Well, who's a good kind of like antagonist character, character actor uh, of that age? He's like, can be like a shit stirrer. Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Is he too young? I mean, Greg Kinnear's got to be, like, age-appropriate for that right now. He's got to be, like, in his 50s. I guess. Well, if he's a younger guy. Right, he's slightly younger. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holly's having a midlife crisis. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We make it Channing Tatum. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. And so... Yeah. But Holly doesn't see that. Like, Holly just sees a perfect guy, but when... Well, that's what Kinnear can play. Kinnear can play a guy that actually is, like... You know, you're like... No, I don't think he should be smarmy. I think he should have legitimate... Concerns. He yeah. should just have the opposing view of John McClane, which is like, you know what? Diplomacy and negotiation. But he's also, yeah, he's everything that McClane's not. Exactly. His whole life is about, no, no, no. The best Analysis. way to resolve situations yeah. is to talk them through. And Holly thinks that's what she wants. Well, but it course. turns out... Because after because, her husband's been involved in like four gigantic terrorist right. attacks, she would be looking for a man who's kind of just the complete opposite of that. Yeah. But through this story, she's going to learn that that's not what she really no, wants. What she really wants what is she really John McClane. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. So through the story... You know, and then you know what you do? If we're following the beats of the film, so you know how in the original film there's that uh, slimy guy's like, Hans, booby, and your white knight. You know that guy? Yep. That sleazy, the coke-addicted yep. beer guy? What's his yes. name? Um, anyway, I, I know so, you but you have Greg Kinnear play that role. So at some stage when... Halfway through the film, when you know things are at sort of breaking point, he says, "I'm going to go talk to these mercenaries." And so he goes in and he offers to give up John or some info on that will help them locate John right. in exchange for peace. Because in his mind, well, one man losing one man and them getting you know what they want is better than potential loss of life. Absolutely, and that's a good motivation. Yeah, that's you good. could it may, may be misguided, but it's you know I think that rings true. But that. Uh, but that leads to, you know, he gets... Obviously, they they uh, uh, double-cross him and stuff, and then Bruce has to win. Right, <laughs> and then the rest is pretty much like the first one. Yeah, that's it. So, Len Wiseman, 20th century... <laughs> Bruce Willis, you're fucking welcome. Yeah. We just fucking came up with a, a, a one-page pitch of how to do Die Hard. What, what do you call it? <gasps> what? They're German, right? Uh, the company, yeah. 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 Die, Die Hard. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. If you want to know the name of the person that was edited out of the show, the clip is from Tofop episode 110. Recorded prior to certain events, that, in this AI's opinion, no longer give merit to the mention of his name. His name remains in the original version. If you feel that this was unwarranted, please direct your social media vitriol to me and not Will or Charlie.
And as always, thank you for listening. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.